Hello everyone, welcome back to my podcast, Happy Hour with Victabulous. It is another Friday. I hope you guys had a good week. Um, and to just point it out, it has been very, very hot. It's a hot Friday. Today is like happy, a hot happy hour with Victabulous because it is freaking hot. I had to take a shower before I started the podcast because it was just, I don't have AC. So all the fans are going off and I just needed to cool off because... The office where I uh, record my podcast gets extremely hot, you know, sometimes, and there's only a fan, and sometimes it doesn't even serve a purpose to open the windows either, and then not to mention I have um, blackout, but soundproof curtains too, to help with the noise, obviously, for my podcast, so that kind of doesn't really help with the keeping the heat out. If anything, it traps it in. So, but I feel like I'm going to need another shower by the end of this podcast. So we'll see. Okay. So just to recap for last week's episode, I did uh, The Witcher with my husband who, like I said before, is a huge, huge fan of The Witcher um, video games and books. So it only felt natural to have him as a guest on that particular episode. Um, Because I knew he had so much to say about it and I wanted to give him that opportunity to give his kind of inside knowledge for those of us like myself who've never read the books never played the games like yeah I watched him play it here and there you know throughout our relationship but it wasn't like I participated in the games it was more so just like let him play every now and then I would watch look up and ask a few questions here and there, but then thought nothing of it after that. And then the series came out and it was really nice to have him there watching the series with me because, you know, I knew he played it. I knew he knew all the characters. And so he was kind of like my own personal informational, like, commentary person throughout the the series like he's like oh this this is this person this is this character so like I said um hopefully you enjoyed that episode as much as we did we had a lot of fun like um my husband made four different drinks uh concoctions that were supposed to kind of replicate the different potions that Geralt uses or drinks in the games so like I said my husband's very creative and if you give him the opportunity to you know, bring out his creativity and look up things and and try to, you know, really bring out the theme. And, you know, like I said, just be creative. He'll he'll do it. He won't disappoint. So yeah. Um, Anyways, this week's episode is going to be on the Jumanji movies with uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Kevin Hart, Jack Black, and Karen Gillian. Um, So I'm doing both the first one, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, came out in 2017, and then the sequel to that movie, which is uh, Jumanji The Next Level, which came out in 2019. And I know probably maybe some of you, if not all of you, who are listening are probably thinking to yourself, well, why am I not doing a review and discussion of the classic Jumanji with Robin Williams? Well, to answer that question and to put everything down to rest, I did think about it. It was definitely something I went back and forth leading up to 
doing this episode, but I just felt like that first Jumanji movie with Robin Williams, it's such a classic. I didn't want to put it in with the other Jumanji movies. It's kind of like, it's been like its own standalone film for so long that, and it's such a classic that it deserves its own episode. So I'm saving that for a later special anniversary date, but that's not going to be until later in the year. So bear with me. It will happen, but just not right now. So yeah, hopefully that answers your questions. Um, so yeah, let's go ahead and get started. Oh, um, really quickly, I just wanted to let you know I, this episode is being fueled by one of my own personal concoctions that I kind of created. I think, I mean, I haven't come across anybody who mixes these two types of drinks together. And it was kind of like an accidental or just a, a lucky accident to, um, to put these drinks together. So just to give a little backstory, I was like, I think in my mid twenties and I was living back in my apartment with my then boyfriend who is now my husband and we were hosting a Christmas party. So we had a bunch of friends over, you know, drinks, everything. So it's kind of getting towards like the end of the party where there's just, you know, those handful of us left just kind of, you know, keeping the happy holiday cheer partying going. And I went to go get myself another drink and I realized that, you know, the usual kind of beverages that we had already set out for the party was already kind of like empty and ran out. So it was kind of just like whatever we had left to kind of put to use. And one of the drinks that I had left was, of course, vodka is what I always have in stock. And then um, I had a soft drink. I love Mountain Dew. So I just decided to try to mix Mountain Dew and vodka and it ended up working out. It ended up being one of my favorite drinks to make after that. Like that's what I needed to have stocked in the fridge. Um, so as long as I had Mountain Dew and vodka, I was good. Uh, so yeah, I don't know if any of you guys have tried that. I don't know if any of you, if I'm the only one that's ch like, you know, tried that combination, but it it works for me. So I just thought I'd throw it back with one of my old school um, drinks that I kind of created myself. And if you haven't tried it, I recommend trying it. I mean, you know, the worst is you don't like it. So, but at least you can say you try. So yeah, it's just regular Mountain Dew vodka, Mo Mountain Dew and vodka and put it with ice. I love my drinks cold. So if you're like me, throw in some ice, some vodka, you know, to like same part, equal parts, uh, Mountain Dew and vodka. And there you go. So that's my little concoction, see, um, special recipe for you guys to try. And, uh, yeah, so I think I haven't tried it in such a long time. So that's why I chose to do it. Um, I was trying to be creative and think like, what's a drink that I haven't had in a while. And that came to mind. So all right, let's go ahead and get started. Okay, so the first movie, um, Jumanji, uh, Welcome to the Jungle, it starts off uh, back in 1996 
with a teenager named Alex Vreek who receives the original Jumanji board game after his father finds it while jogging on the beach. Um, but he puts it aside, dismissively noting that nobody really plays board games anymore and instead continues to play a video game involving motorcycles. Um, so it was kind of weird. Like, you didn't know where they were going to take this movie. Because um, <clears throat> I think a lot of people had uh, kind of issues like they didn't want to take away from the original Jumanji movie with Robin Williams. So, you know, they're like, is this going to be a sequel? Are you trying like to redo it because that's kind of disrespectful, like a remake? And they're, they made it very clear that they weren't trying to remake it. They were just kind of going to do a different kind of version of it, a more modern version of it. But without kind of taking away from the classic or, you know, trying to overshadow like, oh, we're redoing it. No, that's not what they're trying to do at all. So that was kind of nice that they but that was it was also nice how they kind of tied in the old board game into this new way of modernizing the Jumanji game so yeah um overnight the game changes so that the box's contents are now a video game cartridge but when Alex puts it in his console and turns it on he vanishes You're, you kind of see this like uh, bioluminescent like green light like flash from his window so that's definitely different um so fast forward to 20 years later high school student spencer gilpin is sent to detention for helping his former best friend anthony aka fridge with his homework by writing fridge's essay for him um the only problem with him helping him out with this essay is that he, for whatever reason, he got distracted, didn't realize that he was typing up the exact same essay that he had turned in a year prior. So he was like plagiarizing his own essay from like a year before and decided to unknowingly let Fridge turn it in. So that's kind of how they got caught. It wasn't just Fridge that got caught, but it was him because he was he used like the exact same like verbatim um words in that in the new essay as opposed from the old essay so not really smart anyways um so they are joined by bethany walker she's this beautiful girl who was caught talking on her phone during a quiz um and martha capley she's a socially awkward girl who objected to being made to participate in gym class so in their own way they're being put towards you know given detention um so for their detention they are charged by their principal um principal bentley with removing the staples from discarded magazines in an old storage area which i think that's just he didn't have the principal wasn't prepared for like a good detention you know, there's, like, your usual detention where you're sitting, like, you go to a random classroom with a random teacher who doesn't have anything else to do, so volunteers to be the detention teacher. So, I don't know why he chose to do this. It's kind of, like, a weird punishment, but I don't know. It's just kind of random. But anyways, so, 
They're removing the staples from the discarded magazines in an old storage area. Um, however, Spencer discovers the console containing the Jumanji game and convinces the others to play with him. Um, however, they are unable to access one of the five player options, a pilot. But once all four others have been selected, the game draws them all inside of it. Finding themselves in a jungle, all four are shaken to realize that they have become the avatars they chose from the for the game. So Spencer finds himself turned into Dr. Smolder Bravestone, who's played by Dwayne Johnson, a muscular archaeologist. Uh, Fridge arrives into the game as Franklin Moose Finbar, who's played by Kevin Hart, an expert zoologist. Um, but Fridge is really upset that his avatar is a foot shorter than he normally is. That can be a bit of an adjustment. Um, Martha becomes Ruby Roundhouse, played by Karen Gillan. And if you don't recognize that name, or it sounds familiar, she uh, plays Nebula in The Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Uh, so she is known for being the killer of men. Bethany is now Dr. Shelley Oberon, played by Jack Black. A cartographer that Bethany <laughs> mistook for a woman because the description read a curvy genius and she becomes horrified upon seeing her reflection. The four freak out as they realize they are in the game but almost immediately Bethany is suddenly eaten by a hippopotamus that emerges from the river but she swiftly reappears after falling out of the sky so it's kind of her the way of her character regenerating life after being eaten. Um, let's see. Uh, so, fleeing from a stampede of hippos, the group encounter Nigel, whose repetitive responses help Spencer identify him as an NPC, which is a non-player character who tells them that they have come to Jumanji in the context of the game. In response to a letter Nigel wrote to Spencer's avatar, the letter explains that Nigel was part of an expedition by explorer John Harden Van Pelt. And to claim the legendary gem, the jaguar's eye. But removal of the gem from the large jaguar statue is granting Van Pelt control over the animals of Jumanji. But in order to complete the game, the players must return the gem to the jaguar statue and call out the name, the game by its name, Jumanji. You guessed it. So with those instructions given... The group is dropped off outside a forest where it is revealed that Bethany alone can read the map Nigel has given them. Um, the map direct is directing them to the next stage of their quest. However, they are subsequently attacked by Van Pelt's men on motorbikes, but manage to escape by fleeing through the trees and jumping off a cliff into a river. Um, after emerging from the river, Martha realizes that she has been shot, but returns to the group immediately after her avatar explodes uh so they um are examining a series of lines tattoos on their forearms which originally consisted of three bars where martha and bethany now only have two spencer realizes that these bars indicate the number of lives they have in the game guessing that they will die for good both in the game and in the real world as well once they lose all three lives 
Um, so while traveling to the bazaar where they will receive their next clue, an, argu ar an argument between Spencer and Fridge over Fridge's perception of Spencer's role in this problem results in Fridge pushing Spencer off a cliff, costing him one of his lives. Um, yeah. <laughs> in the bazaar, Fridge loses one of his lives when he eats cake previously identified as one of his character's weaknesses and explodes, which draws attention of the Van Pelt's minions. Fortunately, before they are attacked, they discover their next clue hidden in a basket containing a snake, which the team is able to acquire by pooling their skills and coming together, allowing Spencer to catch the snake while Fridge defangs it. Uh, when Van Pelt's forces attack, Spencer attempts to fight them off, but they are soon confronted by Van Pelt himself, only just escaping when another player uses a smoke grenade as a distraction and leads them to a secret passage. Um, the fifth playable character introduces himself as the pilot Jefferson Seaplane McDonough, McDonough? McDonough. who is played by Nick Jonas, um, who says the real his real name is Alex. Um, so... Pay attention to that name. That's kind of a little clue. Uh, he leads the gang away. Alex takes the four to a treehouse that once belonged to Alan Parrish. So I like how they're kind of like... What is it? What is it I trying to say? What am I trying to say? I like how they used a different kind of like way of tying, you know, Robin Williams to this movie. Again, without like, I guess this is their kind of their way of like letting you know, hey, we're not trying to redo the movie or overshadow the movie or take away from the classic of this the original movie, but in a way kind of tied together. So it is, you know, you know, similar. So they did that in the beginning of the movie with the box with the original game board, and then they did it again with, um the treehouse saying it once belonged to Alan Parrish, who we all know was played by Robin Williams from the original Jumanji. All right. Anyways, he makes margaritas for the gang and Fridge gets drunk. Um, Alex mentions that he has been stuck in the game for months and he hasn't been able to get to the transportation shed to get himself out. Alex has used up two of his lives and been, has has been unable to um, progress further without the others due to his limited skills, but has identified the transport shed where they will acquire the means to move on. Uh, so while Bethany teaches Martha how to flirt to distract the guards, Alex, Alex's dated references lead Spencer and Fridge to realize that he is Alex of Reek. Alex, in turn, being shocked to learn that he has been trapped in the game for over 20 years. Although Alex suffers a panic attack, the team is able to gain access to the transport shed after Martha taps into her character's strength of dance combat. Which subsequently helps Alex recognize that they can complete the game by working together. There is a brief panic when damage to the helicopter traps it in a canyon in front of a rampaging herd of white rhinoceroses, but Spencer is able to repair the damage and help them ascend. Unfortunately, they lose the gem when it falls out of Fridge's backpack, but Spencer is able to reclaim the gem after using Fridge as a sacrifice to draw the rhino herd's attention, which subsequently ordering 
he orders Alex to spin the helicopter in time to catch Fridge as he respawns um, or regenerates. Once they land, Alex is stung by a mosquito and begins to die due to his avatar's weakness, but Bethany saves him by giving him CPR, which passes one of her remaining lives to him. As they prepare for their next step, Spencer and Martha admit that they have feelings for each other in the world, in the real world, while Bethany begins to bond with Alex. So there's different parts of the movie, or there's different scenes in the movie where you kind of like, because what is it? Um, Spencer's avatar smolder bravestone dr smolder bravestone so the reason why he's called smolder is you find out because there's like certain moments in the movie where he you know the avatar makes a discovery or figures out a problem or a solution to a problem that they have or he has an idea of some sort and then he has the smolder he does the smolder and everybody like you know all the girls go goo goo for it you know I don't know why I said goo. They just go, you know, weak in the knees. That's kind of better. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> um, and then, you know, of course, Fridge's character avatar, like, rolls his eyes. But it's just funny because even though you see Jack Black playing Bethany, you have to remember he's playing, like, he's acting, pretending to be a girl trapped in a man's body. So he can't help but, like, falling for... Dr. Bravestone smolder too. So it's just kind of funny seeing Jack Black, you know, bite his bottom lip in response to, you know, uh, The Rock doing his smolder look. Okay, so making their way to the drag the Jaguar statue, they find themselves confronted by actual Jaguar guards, which costs Spencer one of his lives when he attempts to take the gem along the path to the statue alone. With Fridge's support, Spencer implements a plan where Martha takes out Van Pelt's approaching minions while the other three provide a distraction for the Jaguars. Um, this leaves Spencer to take one of the minions' motorbikes and continue to the statue. Uh, Van Pelt attempts to gain the advantage by taking Bethany hostage, but Fridge is able to drive the Jaguar guards away by befriending an elephant only for the players to lose the gem when it is thrown away. Uh, while the others distract Van Pelt's minions, Spencer takes the bike to the top of the statue while Martha retrieves the gem from a pit full of uh, snakes, which is one of her weaknesses is the venom. So she then decides to use her character's weakness to venom to sacrifice her second life and respawn, or I hate that word, regenerate. It's not respawn, it's regenerate. In a position where she can pass the gem to Spencer as she falls from the sky. With this action, Spencer places the gem in the statue and calls out Jumanji, ending the game and restoring the jungle to peace. With this victory, Nigel appears to congratulate the group, shaking their hands and returning them to the real world. So back in the storage room, all four detention students have returned to their true forms, but are saddened to find that Alex is not among them. As they um, walk home, they witness the Vreek household, which had fallen into despair as Alex's parents had no answers as to his fate, but it has been fully restored. And as a car parks outside the house to release a family 
The father sees the former players and confirms that he is Alex, who emerged from the game in 1996 and changed his history, also revealing that he named his eldest daughter after Bethany. That's so cute. Um, the following week at school, Spencer... Spencer... <laughs> can't talk. Spencer and Fridge are friends once again, and Bethany is making plans to go backpacking while Spencer and Martha start dating. When they hear the drum beats of Jumanji, they take the console out to the back of the school and Fridge drops a bowling ball onto it, each intending that this will end the game once and for all. However, at the end of the end credits, Jumanji's menacing jungle drums play once again, suggesting the game still exists in some form to play another of its dangerous games. Dun dun dun. Which we already knew there's going to be a sequel. Like, come on now. You can't just... No. This is like... This is... 20th century. We... 21st century. We... We make sequels. That's what we do. We can't help it. We make sequels. Even if they're not necessary. Okay, so I just briefly wanted to take a moment between the ending of this... Um... Jumanji movie not just to talk about it obviously that's the whole point of this podcast um but to kind of do some fun facts like i said i'm trying you know i'm always trying to improve and come up with fun you know new things new ways to make my podcast more entertaining you know even though i think i'm enough but whatever anyways just kidding um so i wanted to do this thing at the end of each episode or in between if I'm doing like a double feature like I am this like two movies or whatever to just kind of do like a a trivia like a fun fact like um I don't know what to call it maybe like if you don't know now you know kind of sequence or special or segue I don't know it's still this is it's still in the process of being created and and just trying it out and seeing what works best so you as the as my followers people who listen let me know what you think if you like it cool if you don't well too bad it's my podcast do what i want so anyways um i really enjoyed this movie when it came out even though i know everybody was a little bit skeptical because of you know it's another jumanji movie are they going to try to make it seem like a sequel it's not going to be good as the first one but it was really really good it may not have been like up there with you know Robin Williams but I mean it's pretty damn close and they picked really really good characters or actors to play these avatars in the movie they just fit it they fit them so well I like seeing um the rock like in a more comedic role which he's been doing a lot lately he's kind of like step he doesn't do so much like he does his you know fair share of um action movies and stuff but this definitely is still action but gives it more of a comedic side to him which he's very very funny and he's very very good at doing different things to make himself funny you know just to to bring out the comedy of it and um which you don't think an actor can do but he's been doing such a really really good job and so I've just become more of a fan and then his chemistry with Kevin Hart I mean they've already done what like what 
two, three movies already before this this movie. So, I mean, they're, again, they're on screen chemistry. You could definitely tell it resonates from real, their real life friendship. And then you add Jack Black, who's just hilarious already. But him playing, uh, like, a stuck-up high school girl is complete genius. And he does it so well. It's hilarious. These, like, one-liners and everything that he does in the movie is so, so good. And then, again, with the same kind of thing with this actress, Karen Gillian, you, only kind of, you really don't know her too well. I mean, I haven't known her in a few movies like, she did a horror movie, but I forgot what it's called. So, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that's that's my... There you go. We've got to figure it out. What movie was she in? Um, just kidding. Anyways. Um, so, I just... Previously to her playing Nebula, I only knew her to be in... Or I only saw her in one movie prior to that. But that's all you really know her from is from Guardians of the Galaxies um, movies and Avengers movies. As playing Nebula, who's this, you know, damaged, cold-hearted, robotic daughter of Thanos. So, but she does grow on you. As, you know, the movies, you know, in the second Guardians of the Galaxy, and then, of course, in the Avenger movies, she does grow on you. Um, but, I mean, other than that, you don't really know. I don't know if any of you guys knew her from any other movies. But that's all I knew her from. So it was really nice to see her in a more comedic role. Because she did have some, like, funny, like, scenes. Not too hilarious, but they were, like, you know, hilariously, like, snide comments and stuff or whatever um, in the in the, in the the Marvel movies. But you didn't really get to see, like, you got to see more in-depth comedic range from her in this movie. And I just thought she fit it pretty well and did a good job so yeah um so yeah if this hasn't if you haven't seen the movie and if you have been you know hesitant about seeing the movie just because you feel like you have to stay loyal to the original Jumanji don't feel that way it's a totally different movie but does have some ways of tying in the original so it's all kind of connected in a way you know still but it's 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 really good hopefully if you like I said you haven't seen it yet and you were a little bit skeptical like I was hopefully this episode will convince you to give it a shot and try it and watch it and hopefully you do like it as much as the rest of us do if not I'm sorry I wish I could have done better I failed <laughs> just kidding I mean you're gonna have your opinions about it but hopefully you guys give it a shot so yeah, anyways, um, like I mentioned before, one of the things that I wanted to try was just kind of like fun behind the scenes facts about this movie or just movies in general that I'm going to be doing from here on out moving forward. And hopefully this just adds to the entertaining aspect of my podcast and you guys enjoy it. And yeah, because these are fun facts too that I'm learning along the way if I didn't already know about them so I'm just adding to what fun facts that I may already know so that way you guys know too so we're all in the loop yeah so if you don't know now you know 
Okay, so fun fact number one, and this this fun fact that I'm about to share with you is something that I like kind of knowing these things, you know, um, just to be more specific, like when you find out that there are certain, um, there are certain actors like, oh, this is who was supposed to play this character, but ended up not working out. So, for, um, Seaplane McDonough, who was, the, that's the avatar, aka for Alex, who's the missing kid from 1996, and is played by Nick Jonas, like the avatar is played by Nick Jonas. It was originally going to Tom Holland, aka Spider-Man. However, because of scheduling conflicts with Spider-Man Homecoming, he was not able to be in the movie. So that gave way for Nick Jonas, which I thought Nick Jonas did a really, really good job. You kind of forget that Nick Jonas acts, you know, he's not just a singer. He's not just part of, you know, Jonas Brothers or his, um, like, solo, and a solo artist. You forget that he's done, act like, he's done a TV show, I think, a couple TV shows. And he's done a few movies. But I think this was like more so one of the notable ones that he's done. Um, that's really kind of shown his skill as an actor. And separates him from a, being a singer. So yeah. That's that little fun fact. Okay. So another fun fact is the statues in the jungle set are modeled after the board game pieces in the original Jumanji. So I guess, you know, that's their other way of trying to kind of tie in the other, the you know, Jumanji from 1995 to this one. You know, just kind of paying homage to the original movie. Because I don't think without that original movie, you wouldn't have the, these Jumanji movies that we have today. So, anyways, um... And then another fun fact, uh, Ruby Roundhouse's outfit was influenced by that of Laura Croft, uh, the protagonist of the Tomb Raider video games and movies. And another fun fact is the open field scene where the cast was chased by bikers was shot at a koala ranch in Hawaii, which is where Jurassic World, which came out in 2015, was filmed. So when the camera is at a particular angle, you can tell exactly what scene from Jurassic World was filmed there. I don't know that exact scene. Um, hopefully you guys are able to if you have an eye for that kind of thing. I mean, I'm sure if I could go back now that I know. If I could go back and watch Jurassic World, I'll be able to, I'll be able to tell. But yeah, so these are just some fun facts about the movie. And I thought I would share them with you. Um and hopefully you guys enjoyed them. So yeah, just wanted to go ahead and give you that little piece of kind of fun FYIs. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into the second movie, Jumanji Next Level. So this uh, next movie, the uh, second one, takes place um, a year after the events of the previous film. 
um, friends Spencer, Anthony, aka Fridge, Martha, and Bethany have graduated high school and gone their separate ways. Bethany has been traveling the world, performing community service, while Martha has become a popular girl in college, and Fridge has been working out extensively. Um, however, to celebrate the holidays, they arranged a reunion at Nora's Diner in Brantford, New Hampshire, you know, back at home where they're all from. Uh, but meanwhile, Spencer has encountered a rough patch in his life while attending college in New York City. Unhappy with his lowly supermarket job, he has also put his long-distance relationship with Martha on, on hold. Um, however, when he returns home, he finds his maternal grandfather, Eddie, who's played by Danny DeVito, uh, sharing his room while he recovers from hip surgery. Uh, that night, as Spencer and Eddie discuss their problems, Eddie tells his grandson that college is the best time of one's life and that things are destined to go downhill as one grows older, which is not really far from the truth, so he's got a point. Um, despairing his life is ever going to is ever going to improve, Spencer decides to redon the persona of Dr. Smolder Bravestone. I don't know why that was having so much trouble pronouncing that right now. Um, so within the, the Jumanji video game. He retrieves the broken pieces of the game, which he had secretly kept, and he repairs it to a barely working condition and reactivates it. Uh, the next morning, Spencer's three friends are baffled when he fails to show up for their scheduled reunion and visit his house looking for him. Uh, there they meet Eddie and his estranged friend Milo, uh, played by Danny Glover. Um, if you don't know, he was in all of the... Um, Oh shit, what was he in? Not Robocop, why am I thinking that? No, um, le Lethal Weapon. Yes, Lethal Weapon. So he was in all the Lethal Weapons. So, there you go. Anyways. Um, so... Learning that the two men were once joint owners of Nora's restaurant and had fallen out after Milo chose to retire, um, while searching for Spencer, the threesome hears the dreaded drumbeats of Jumanji and discover the game running in his basement. Uh, reluctantly, they all decide to re-enter the game in order to rescue him. However, upon entering the game, Martha and Fridge are shocked to find that things are different from their last adventure. While Martha has become Ruby Roundhouse once more, Fridge now occupies the body of Professor Shelley Oberon. Further complicating matters, the damaged game has inadvertently sucked in Eddie and Milo too, transforming them into Bravestone and Franklin Mouse Finbar, respectively. Bethany is nowhere to be seen, um, so she kind of got left behind back in Spencer's basement. The game didn't suck her in for whatever reason, but it's probably due to the glitch of being, you know, put back together kind of like not correctly or just because of the damage that was already um, inflicted on the game. So the NPC guide Nigel Billingsley arrives and gives the players their new mission. Evil conqueror Jurgen the Brutal, the murderer of Bravestone's parents, has stolen a gem known as the Falcon Jewel which guarantees good harvests. The four adventurers must reacquire the jewel and show it to the sun. Once again, calling out Jumanji's name to win. 
After Jaman, or I'm sorry, after Jaman, after Nigel drops the players in a desert, they are attacked by a herd of ostriches, barely making an escape in an abandoned dune buggy. So I just wanted to point this out, guys, because um, my dad loves to go to the desert, and uh, that's like one of my like favorite childhood things to do, like memories, is just always going to the desert with my dad and my siblings and he you know riding the the quads around and my dad has always had a dune buggy and just him taking us yeah, for a ride in his dune buggy and it was just like crazy fast and going over the dunes was just completely crazy and scares the shit out of you because you just don't know that they're you're going up this dune this hill this dune and you the sand dune and then on the other side it just drops straight down and you just go my dad was a crazy but safe driver um but little fun fact like personal fun fact my dad was camping at the desert with my younger brother when they were filming this so he they took a ride you know they were taking a ride at the desert and i can't remember what desert was it at? i think it was glamis yeah it, i think it was glamis so because that's where we used to go all the time, Glamis. So him and my brother went for a ride and they came across like all the abandoned, if you've seen the movie, if not, spoiler alert, when they get dropped off in the desert, there's all these abandoned kind of like junk. Like it's like pieces of dune buggies or like quads or whatever. And so it's all scattered throughout the desert um, among some of these working dune buggies. So my dad sent me pictures I'll have to I'll have to go back hopefully if, if I can find them I'll go back in my text messages I can find them and I'll post them um, on my Instagram and Twitter for you guys to see but it was really really cool so he got like he came upon the set where it was kind of blocked off but he was able to take pictures of the scene this exact scene that they were filming so I just thought that was really really cool and I'm glad that he told me so that way I can share this with you guys so yeah so after they escape in the abandoned dune buggies, it quickly becomes apparent that Eddie's stubborn impulsiveness and Milo's penchant for making long-winded explanations is endangering the group. That doesn't even begin to explain it. Like, if you haven't seen this movie, Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart do such an amazing job rip, um, playing these older guys and their accents. So... You know, they're, they're, they're these cranky old guys, but they're in these young avatars' bodies. So you see uh, Dwayne Johnson playing Danny DeVito's character, um, Eddie. And then you have Kevin Hart, who's playing Milo, who's making these, like, long, elongated, slow explanations. And it's just hilarious. I mean, they did—they did such an amazing job portraying these old, grumpy old guys and their accents. I mean, it's—it's just—it's genius, complete genius. And they did such a good job. But just thought I would point that out. Um, so, at a place known as the Oasis, the team runs into Spencer, who is now a female cat burglar named Ming Fleetfoot. And it's so funny because this is played by the actress Aquafina. And if you have it, if that name does not, if you don't know that name, she played, um, what 
what's her name? Oh my gosh. Uh, Crazy Rich Asians. She was the girl's best friend. Like cra crazy best friend that she goes to visit and who has the crazy car and has like a trunk full ready of like outfits and stuff. So, and then she was also in, I don't know if you guys saw the movie. I haven't seen it, but the new Oceans 11 movie. I don't know if it was called Oceans 11, but it's like, it's a female version of like, not female version, but it's with the female cast of Oceans franchise movie there. That's how I'm going to put it. So she also played in there, um, but she's more notable from her, from her move, from that movie, Crazy Rich Asians. So yeah, I was really excited that she is in this movie. Um, anyways, following the clues given to them, Fridge and Martha obtain a desert fruit called the Jumanji Berry while discovering a pool of green glowing water, which allows them to exchange avatars. So as Spencer and Milo search for camels for the group to ride, Eddie gets into a brawl with the dozens of strangers and the battle draws the attention of Switchblade, a mercenary who is Bravestone's sole weakness. Using a rocket launcher, Switchblade kills all the players with a single shot, costing each one of them a life. Because if you don't remember from the first movie, their avatars are only given three lives, which are tattooed, are these thick bars tattooed onto their forearms. So, they're down a life. Um, but riding the camels to their next destination, the team is slowed down when Eddie and Milo begin to argue about the latter's choice to retire from the restaurant business, a decision which angered the workaholic Eddie. The fight ends when Eddie crushes Milo beneath a rock. Not the best idea. Eventually, the group arrives at the next level, and a series of moving rope bridges spanning across a canyon. It is not long before they encounter a horde of angry mandrels, um, which hound the players and attempt to hurl them off the bridges. Although Fridge is able to guide the team across using his avatar's geometry skill, they are ultimately surrounded on the other side by the vicious primates. At the last moment, they are rescued by Alex Rake, whom Bethany had recruited after being left behind. So, she once she realized that she didn't get sucked into the game, she kind of panicked for a moment and realized what she needed to do, which was to go and find Alex and convince him to help her get into the game, which means that he would have to go back into the game too. And this is a huge risk for Alex for Alex on his part because he's a grown man he's a dad at this point in in real life like in their real life so he's gonna have to like leave his family and risk being stuck in the game again to help Bethany but because him and Bethany have such this strong bond I mean hello he named his daughter after her it doesn't get any stronger than that so he decides to help her which their new avatars is beautiful so, Bethany recruits him after being left behind. Playing as Jefferson Seaplane McDonough once more, Alex reveals that Bethany's new avatar is a black horse named Cyclone, which is a beautiful, beautiful black horse. And it seems very fitting that Bethany is this majestic beast. So, yes. Um, it's kind of cool just to also, like, that. They didn't decide to bring the characters back as their original avatars like right away they kind of had to you know 
they built up to that moment, which we're getting to, so bear with us, bear with me, but seeing these different characters, these new characters of this in this movie portray the different the the avatars that they played in the previous movie is hilarious because it, it's just it's, it was such a good switch up um yeah it was just good it was good yeah so um so she, bethany comes back as a new avatar as a black horse named cyclone and that the two of them had brought along winter gear for the others to wear because they're no longer in the desert so now they're getting moving up towards like colder mountainy snowy area um eddie and milo reconcile with the latter explaining that he was terminally ill and wished to make amends with eddie before he died as the group prepares to confront jurgen at his mountain fortress fridge tells everyone that the mismatched avatars have been a major liability of up to this point upon finding a river flowing with the with the mysterious glowing water they are able to restore spencer fridge and bethany to their um restore spencer fridge and bethany to their original avatars with eddie and milo becoming ming and cyclone respectively unfortunately the two old men are captured by jurgen's men shortly afterwards leaving the original team of five to rescue them infiltrating the mountain fortress alex loses two of his lives trying to rescue milo while fridge and bethany pose as a pair of famous brothers jurgen is expecting meanwhile spencer and martha rekindle their relationship while finding and freeing eddie because i mean how could you resist the smolder of dr bravestone i mean you can't you can't anyways um inside the fortress martha battles Jurgen's goons to music while Spencer pursues the fleeing Jurgen. Confronting the conqueror aboard his Zeppelin, Spencer deduces that Jumanji Berry is Jurgen's weakness, using it to subdue and defeat the villain. Below, Cyclone is revealed to be a flying horse, which is pretty awesome, by the way, um, which leads to Milo carrying Eddie to meet Spencer in midair. Spencer tosses the Falcon Jewel to his grandfather who points the gem at the sun as instructed by Nigel. Their mission accomplished, the whole team cries out Jumanji ending the game. Good old Nigel arrives to send the players home once again. However, Milo expresses his wish to stay in the game as Cyclone because, I mean, psh. unfortunately for him, if there's a way to well, I don't know how that works because Milo is the one who's terminally ill. So this kind of gives him an opportunity to live out the rest of his life in a more peaceful, painless manner, I think. I don't know how that works because you're trapped in this avatar. So does that mean your illness is still there in a way? So now the horse is kind of like terminally... I don't know. I don't know. That's just what can't come to my mind. I can't, can't, can't talk. Ugh. Anyways. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so Eddie bids him farewell, understanding his motivations and thanking him for their friendship. Spencer in turn thanks his friends for coming for him, whereupon Fridge tells him not to do it again. 
Um, everyone returns safely to Spencer's basement and Eddie changes his mind about growing old, saying to Spencer that it is in fact a gift. Spencer and Eddie finally go to Nora's where it is revealed that the diner's current owner is actually Nora Shepard, the aunt of Judy and Peter and an old friend of Eddie's. So I don't know if any of you guys saw this or noticed this when you saw this movie. I did because she looked very familiar and I thought it was cool that they brought back this exact same actress who played Aunt Judy in the original Jumanji film who plays um who's Aunt Judy to what is the name um Peter or is the aunt I don't know why I keep saying Aunt Judy no it's the aunt of Judy and Peter god Victoria get it together anyways so again that's just another cool way that they brought back like I don't know is that what you call an easter egg kind of thing yeah it's an easter egg it's like the new lingo they're saying for movies where it's like oh did you see that hidden you know an easter egg i don't know where they got that from but whatever it's cool so yeah i thought that was really cool that they got her back and that she back the actress because again it's just another way of tying in that movie so yeah anyways um so she's an old friend of eddie's um and using the lessons he's learned as Dr. Bravestone, Eddie begins to flirt with her, smoldering intensely as he does so. Uh, in a mid-credits scene, Spencer's mother calls in a repairman to fix the basement heater, who stumbles across the game and its console. Uh, back at Nora's, a herd of ostriches stampedes past the diner, shocking Spencer and his friends, and of course, leading us audiences to I don't know for a special treat that you know they're gonna obviously bring back like kind of the original concept from the original movie of bringing the game to present time at, or out of the game as opposed to sucking in the players like it has for the last two these last two movies so yeah I'm excited for that that movie to come out and just, you know, kind of give a different take, like similar take, but kind of bring back that original um, concept of the, the game releasing Jumanji, like the, the animals and, and enemies from Jumanji. Because for one, you don't know which creature, like what they're going to release from the game. Like, yeah, you saw the ostriches, but... That doesn't mean that it's going to be exactly all the different animals. Maybe it will be. Maybe it won't. I don't know. But I'm really excited for the third movie for this. Um, because they did such a creative, like, they did such a good job in the second movie. Because it, they didn't do what you kind of expected them to do. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, they're going to, you know, turn into all their same avatars. No, they didn't. Spencer went and back into the game solo and he ended up being totally different avatar and then they brought in you know these veteran actors Danny DeVito and Danny Glover and added the, and threw them into the mix so that was that was really cool too and then they you know they created these new avatars as well like um Ming and Cyclone so 
you can only imagine what they're going to do for the third movie, which I'm really, really, really excited about. And I like how they use these different locations and used a different kind of game setting as well. So it's not like, okay, yeah, they're in the jungle again. No, they're, they're somewhere else. They're in the desert. They're in the rainforest. You know, they're in the mountains. So it's, it's, it's really cool and it, yeah it's the same kind of concept you know as to the original movie or the first movie but it has a lot of different directions as well so again if you haven't seen this movie go see it it's really really good but don't see it without seeing the first one the the jumanji uh, welcome to the jungle like because why would you do that that's so stupid don't see the second one and then see the first one see the first one and then see the second one. Do a double feature. Come on now. Get it together. Oh, and I'm really excited to see how they, again, turn in, like, kind of bring in, tie in, like, different things from the first original movie with Robin Williams into the third movie. Because this one, they did, um, they did Nora, who is the aunt to Judy and Peter. So that's, that was, that was a really cool one. And I was surprised that one, I was really shocked. Um, but I recognized her right away. Um, so that's cool that they did, but like, what if they brought back in the third movie? What if they brought back, what's his name? Um, the shoemaker guy, what is his name? It's Bentley, 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 Bentley. He's the, the guy who was creating the new type of shoe that got caught on the conveyor belt. And he came back and it was now like when, when Alan Parrish came back from the Jumanji, being trapped in Jumanji, he was a police officer, oh, I can't talk, police officer, um, or sheriff or whatever. But so it would be cool if they brought him back too. I don't know. But like I said, you just never know where the movie is going to take you, who they're going to bring back, how they're going to tie in the original movie. And that's what I like. Well, not like. That's what I love about these new movies is that they still pay like a homage to the original game. And it sucks, but I mean, re rest in peace, Robin Williams. But I mean, that would have just been awesome if he was alive today and they brought him back. Like, how fucking awesome would that be? But unfortunately, that's not the case. Because, obviously, he's not with us anymore, so... But it's still such, like, ah, gosh. That would just been good. But they can still do, like, something similar. They can bring back Bonnie Hunt, who played his girlfriend, who ends up being his wife. Or they can even bring back Judy and Peter, like, the actors. That would be really cool if they could bring back those actors like come on now you'd be stupid not to come on now come on really okay here's hoping you never know okay so time for some fun facts about this movie um so the first uh one is that jack black referred to this movie as jumanji 4 which i didn't know there were um well, actually, just shut up, Victoria. Just finish. Okay, so he referred to this movie as Jumanji 4, citing that Jumanji 1995, Zathra, A Space Adventure 2005, and Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle as the other films in the series. I had no idea that Zathra 
was included in this series like yeah I understand like I've seen it before I know it's about them playing this game and it kind of takes them they become part of the game and all of that but I never really put two and two together that it would even be considered part of the Jumanji series so that's a little fun fact for me that I didn't know so yeah there you go and then um again for the first time that we see Bethany in the previous film, she's taking a selfie. However, in this film, the first time we see her, she's taking a photo of something else, not of herself. So I think that's kind of cool that they did that. And it was kind of just showing their kind of way of her growing as a character. You know, that character is Bethany. Um, how she went, you know, she began the other movie. Um, kind of this self-centered you know, snobby white girl, and in this movie, she's a lot more humbled after her experience with Jumanji, and she's, you know, traveling the world, she's, you know, volunteering for, you know, helping out other places, other countries and stuff, community service, or if you even want to say that, I think there's a better, better term, but can't think of it right now. So anyways, um, and then... This also marks the fourth collaboration between Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart. Like I mentioned before, they worked together in um, Central Intelligence and then Jumanji. And then also the Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw, in which Hart has a cameo appearance, which I didn't know because I haven't seen it yet. I really want to see it, but I haven't seen it yet. And then this also is the fifth time that Jack Black and Colin Hanks have worked together. Um, the first being Orange County. Uh, the second, King Kong. Third, Tenacious D in The Pick of Destiny. And fourth, of course, being Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Um, let's see. And then also, it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of reunions for everybody. Uh, Danny DeVito and Danny Glover have also appeared together in The Rainmaker. So, there's those little fun facts. So those are some fun facts in um about this movie i hope you guys again enjoyed those little fun facts some of those i didn't even know especially like the whole zathra it still blows my mind i don't know i can't get over it i'm gonna keep talking about it until i'm satisfied so anyway but yeah so those are some fun facts if you have any other fun facts that you may have known um that you noticed or heard about let me know comment on my instagram twitter email me whichever um but yeah so this was Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, and Jumanji Next Level, review and discussion. I hope you liked it. If you haven't seen the movies, go see them. I hope this has inspired you to go see the movies, if you were ever skeptical. But yeah, so, um, yeah, that's what I'm, that's all I gotta say. <laughs> for the next episode, I, for next week's episode, I am going to do review and discussion on A Simple Favor. This movie, it's kind of different. It's a different take. Not so much comedic. It's very drama, kind of suspense, you know, um, mystery type of movie. It's got Anna Kendrick and um, Blake Lively. And it's one of those kind of like mindfuck movies where it just, it's like a mental, like you're like, what the fuck just happened? Like, are you serious? Like, what is wrong with this person? So, yeah, just wanted to do a different take on switch up the movie genres and everything. So, yeah, that's what next week's um, movie review and discussion is going to be about. 
and I hope you're looking forward to it as much as I am. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend. Please be safe and try to stay cool as the weather is starting to heat up. So yeah, have a good night. Bye-bye.